Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow registered dietitian nutritionist. I serve as a business coach to my colleagues, registered dietitian nutritionists all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that work. Thank you so much for joining today's episode. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with special guest Melissa Landry. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist helping women stop binges and break free from on-again, off-again weight loss dieting so they can find mental and emotional well-being around food. Melissa's practice is inspired by her experiences growing up with her mom who struggled to find food peace with her bigger body. Melissa's mission is to create a world where all women feel free to live in their bodies and be who they are without guilt. Melissa lives in Boston with her husband, Dave, and dog, Lucy, who appear on her Instagram feed from time to time to help communicate her message of food freedom. Beautiful little intro there. Uh, Welcome to today's episode. Thank you, Libby. I'm glad to be here. I'm a fan of this podcast. I can't believe I'm on it. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to have you and to share your story and, and continue to inspire fellow dietitians. Thank you for listening. Is there anything that, in addition to your social media feed, I want to make sure that you let, let everybody know that. Anything else that I, I missed or that you want to add from the introduction? Oh, that is it. I'm here in Boston with my small family and fur baby Lucy and enjoy life up here quite a bit. Wonderful. And where can we find you on Instagram? My handle is no.more.guilt on Instagram. Excellent. All right. So let's let's dive right into it. And if you could talk to us about your process of, you know, with your strong bio, helping women stopping binges and talking about women in bigger bodies, how did you get to the process of where you are today with niching down your business and your messaging? That's a great question. And it's been three months of work together, Libby, to answer it. So (laughs) I'm glad to share a little bit about it. You know, when we first started, I'm a high achiever type. So I thought coming into you that I had niched down and I was like so proud of my feet and was ready for your compliments. And you were, (laughs) were so kind to point out that it wasn't entirely clear, which was such an important bit of feedback for me. And that kind of started the process of me deciding who was I serving? How was I going to communicate clearly there? You talk a lot, both with me and generally, how that's not an easy process. And I felt that fear for sure. I worried a lot in the beginning, like, you know, in choosing food freedom, in choosing intuitive eating as an alternative method, what would friends and family think? What would colleagues think about me choosing this? It's something that we really are not trained in as dietitians initially. So think a lot of the fear around that and also turning people away came up in the beginning big time because I see my strength as being someone who can individualize and tailor. And I wanted the chance to hear someone and offer something that was a fit for them. But the reality was, is no one was knocking on my door because they weren't sure (laughs) what exactly that conversation would be. So definitely a lot of fear in the beginning choosing it. And yeah, I think that's really relatable examples. And I I appreciate you talking about how we weren't trained in, let's say, intuitive eating initially, right? So you had to undergo additional training to or you chose to to learn more about what that means and how that can help serve your audience. Can you give a specific example about the process of niching down and how you went from 
the fear you're experiencing or expressing, which is very real. I think for those of us who have niched down to any extent, we can relate to that. How did you go from there to gaining more clarity? Was it repetition, practice? Like, Do you have any kind of nuggets of, of information for the listeners? I think first learning how to do market research and listen to people was so, so helpful. It's funny because as a counselor, I think that I'm excellent at that, that I can listen to somebody and really hear them. I hadn't yet applied those skills in a marketing perspective, and I have thoughts on why that is and my aversions to sales and marketing prior to working with you. But it really was very natural once you sort of said, well, like, who are you talking to? What does she need? If you approach the process of niching down, like getting to know someone, I think it isn't so difficult anymore because you hear what people are needing. You can come up with kind of responses to the things that they struggle with, which is beautiful. It's an amazing process to go through and really connect with the people you work with. Amazing and helpful leads to sales and difficult. Totally difficult. And I think I'm still, we talked today, I'm still refining some of these things and the specifics. It is a process. And, you know, for someone who wants to do things right all the time, as I do, (laughs) really understanding that there is no right way to do this. You have to go out and listen and practice and see how your feed responds to the various messages you put out. It will always be something that you are working on when you are in a niche. You're always tightening that up and making it represent you and your client. I agree with that. And at every stage of the game, whether you're listening and you consider yourself new in business, intermediate, meaning that you're, you know, seeing some clients, maybe it's even a part time stream of income, or whether you're advanced to the you know definition of full time, you wherever you are in this journey, you are constantly refining your niche. And it might be at a different level. But it's really important. I, I say you should always be looking into the market research and analyzing how you can add more value and be more specific with what you're doing. And I truly believe that leads to sales if you're able to to get more clear and aligned. So I appreciate that Melissa is looking at this at her point of view and and just experiencing and and communicating that process, which, you know, successful clients, and myself included, we all niche down. So for those of you listening, if you haven't done it, It's difficult and worth it, and I love sharing Melissa's story. I can't wait for you to hear all of her journey, the pieces of her journey, but it's not like one and done. Oh, I'm just going to niche down one day and move on. Like, no, you're just constantly focusing and refocusing on that part of the brand through all the different stages of business. I agree. So a lot to look forward to. I agree. (laughs) All right. So uh, can you talk a little bit about how you approached Instagram before and after we worked together and how maybe you applied the whole niching down process or just how you view using this platform as a business tool. I'm thinking now of a meme that I saw and it said something like, Oh, when you start a business, you put a website up and then you sit there and then all the clients come and that I laughed out loud because that was like totally what I thought was going to happen. I made my website. I made an Instagram and a Facebook. This was five years ago, Libby. Yeah. And I built practice really in response to dissatisfaction I had with some experiences in the hospital-based setting. I hadn't really understood that Instagram was this amazing tool for you to connect, not only with your ideal client, with colleagues who are in your space. Like That's something that really jumped out for me. So number one is starting to see that this is a strategic operation. This yeah. is not you know, people say put up your shingle. This is not a put up a shingle type of thing. That was critical for me. 
And around the first of this year, 2019, I decided that I wanted to make this a business and no longer a hobby. So for about six months before working for you, I tried to go audit by myself and really focusing on consistency to begin. I recorded my first story, I'm going to be honest, three times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like nitpicking. Now I'm at a point where I'm very much much more iterative, like throw it up, see how it goes. And so I think that is number two is just putting yourself out there. Now I hit a wall because I didn't have my message or my niche down. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to find is yes, you can start to see it as a tool and you can be consistent, but if you don't have the niche and the pain points, I just think that that was, I took myself as far as I could. And so that to me is kind of the, the approach and what, what mattered most is believing in the tool getting out there, and then you can start really refining the message. Yeah, really practical tips. I I like the list of three myself. So I appreciate those takeaways. When it comes, I want to take just a moment to talk about believing in Instagram as a viable option that you can use as a business tool. I feel that it can be a little bit of a removed thought if you're not yet using it that way. What made you really see it and process it and believe in it enough to invest in coaching and take it seriously after having had your business for five years by throwing up that website and not getting the results that you wanted from the efforts you put forth? When I say necessity is the mother of invention, like I wanted this to succeed and I had no, I mean, I had been giving talks in the community and doing everything that everyone had told me. I worked my butt off. Like I worked really hard and that would maybe produce, you know, one sale, two sales. And I thought I cannot do this. I cannot live a life where I'm like carpet bag door to door asking for sales. So it was a necessity in the scope and the magnitude that Instagram offered. And also seeing how many amazing dietitians there are are out there doing all sorts of work with all sorts of personalities. You know, you can make that space your own. And I, I was just really inspired by what people were able to do. Maybe believe in it in a little bit of a different way. That's great. And I do agree. And I think that supporting your female colleagues and looking to see, like, I love that the different personalities, even the different niches and respect what they're doing, whether it's in performance or, you know, life cycle, could be weight loss, food freedom, all the different types of gut health, right? Like what people are doing in different spaces and how they're making that work for them is really inspiring. So if you haven't yet started treating Instagram like a business tool and you're listening, I think a great first step would be to acknowledge Melissa and, uh, you know, other people in different spaces and, and see the success that they've had. And it truly can motivate you to see the opportunities from using this platform. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you wish you knew that earlier about your business or your practice that, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily five years ago that you wish you knew this or just something that you feel would have been more helpful. And then you kind of like almost want to hit yourself on the head and say, oops, like should have done that. You don't have to know everything. I think that was such a roadblock for me that I'm a pretty capable gal. I think a lot of dietitians are. We have worked hard to get here and go through our trainings. And, you know, no matter where you are, you did things to get yourself there. And there's a certain sturdiness to that, right, that you have. When I went into business, I did not have the skills. And I just tried to push through it. So, And I think I thought I needed to learn it on my own. So I think I would have gone back and said, you know what, it's okay. You don't know how to market and sell. These are things you can practice. And I would have got myself some help sooner, honestly. Yeah, that's a great reflection. 
Would you have started with a website? I don't know. It's kind of fun designing it, but was it effective? <laughs> I feel like a lot of dietitians want to start with things that they think matter. And I strongly suggest that you tie your energy and efforts and time and behavior to what can generate a sale. And if that, you know, Instagram marketing works for Melissa, works for me, works for my clients. And those of you listening, it works for you. And a website, you will need it at some point. But I think it's so overrated that you have to have like everything right away. But really what you need to do is like build relationships and let people know about your brand. And you can do that for free on Instagram. And bringing it back to the niche, like a website is static. There's not interaction happening with it. So even, you know, I would spend hours like nitpicking the copy on there. I had no idea whether that landed with people who were coming. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's like you're making a little website every day. And every day you get a chance to see if that message stuck and how people responded. And so whatever you're learning on Instagram, you're going to be able to put that. That's what I'm excited about next is like, okay, what I've learned here, can I apply that to email marketing, to my website, to maybe a podcast someday? Like it's, this is your, your beta test right here for your messaging. And that in and of itself is an amazing opportunity. I really appreciate that. I love that, you know, new website or mini website every day. And I, I agree because you get immediate feedback if you allow yourself to treat it Instagram as a business tool and you're really truly like diving deep into the strategy and evaluation of Instagram like Melissa has, you can then see what can I fix, what can I align, what can I adjust, how can I, as we said earlier, dive deeper into the niche and realign and using that kind of attitude is going to help you market and sell effectively where that's not free and easy to do on a website, but it really is the lowest barrier to entry is just getting out there and using Instagram, using hashtags, building relationships. And, and I mean, if you can be strategic like Melissa can, it's a great way for you to get your brand out there. Agree. I would love for you to talk about my favorite topic, which is sales and sales calls and the process of selling in your business and, you know, how you have felt or experiences you've had with recent sales success, especially coming from what was considered like a smaller feed under a thousand followers. So first I want to just talk about how Instagram is such a partnership for your sales call, because what I found is a big difference from you know, prior working with you, Libby, and afterwards was when I had a discovery call, I was coming in cold. Like I had no idea anything about this person. They were maybe referred to me with a lukewarm understanding of what I do and how I might benefit from them. And that puts, that's a very anxiety producing situation as a saleswoman. So not knowing what, you know, what that's going to be like, I think was really challenging for me, not being clear on what I was selling. So you put yourself in a little pressure cooker in that old way. This way, I know people have been following me for, you know, maybe instantly to up to a month. So they're very exposed to who I am in the message. They've filled out an application where I have a clear sense of who they are and what they need. And now I can be a good listener to them and help align what I'm offering in a way that is not high pressure, that I don't feel nervous, they don't feel nervous. One of the best things about this new process is when people walk away, not because I didn't make the sale, because I'm so proud to have offered a sales call where someone feels they've learned something and they've had a chance to know if I'm a fit for them or not. Like that for me, as a helper profession and someone who values that, was a beautiful thing to have learned and I'm making sales anyway. So 
having that sort of relationship to the sales call now is transformative for me. I never thought that that could be how it feels to sell someone on a service. So very much goes with a good feed and, and getting that feeling. That's, uh, yeah, really, I, I love how you've reframed that because I feel that most people do not perceive sales and sales calls uh, in the way that you have described it. So I, I think that's a, a nice reframe. And it is possible for those of you listening who kind of dread that and you do come into this process cold. And so Melissa has done a really good job of setting up a sales process by using Instagram as, as part of that process where she's able to market and attract prospects and then have them go through her process, apply to work for her coaching program, get them on the phone and know like what to say and how to navigate a call with the right fit. So she's got a qualified lead and then she's able to turn that qualified lead into a paying quality customer. And that's the dream. That's what we all want in the service-based business if we're trying to you know, meet our bottom line in our business and then help the people who we want to market to help. And as I'm starting out with my smaller feed and having really done this seriously over the past maybe three or six months, the people that walk away, my resilience around that is a lot stronger because I have a process to analyze, wait a minute, what's going on here? How can I adjust my messaging or my sales processes to get stronger? And I think that learning mindset is so, so key because we are not saleswomen. We're not trained for that. Maybe your disposition isn't quite oriented to that. That doesn't mean you can't and you don't have the skills, I would argue, that has much been much more connected for me. But you start to see uh, sales as a learning process and as something that supports your bottom line. Absolutely. Yeah. That reframe is huge. If you want to be successful in business, uh, you have to reframe how you feel about sales and how you approach the sales process. And Melissa's done a, a great way of explaining that. If you could talk a little bit numbers or just a rough kind of overview of how after you applying a clear step in sales process, I mean, at least the fact that you've been able to double sales or increase sales or anything like that, any kind of insights that you're able to share with us about your ability to close sales from Instagram? So one, I think it was so important to develop tools to measure this because I wouldn't be able to answer you. <laughs> Um, we tend to be, I, I mean, I won't say we, I tend to be emotional around these yeah. things. Like, it's happening, it's not happening. And so for me yeah. to have an objective way of looking at my progress on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, we went through this again today and it was so helpful. It has really been, been amazing. But I went from someone who was getting applications, you know, whenever I outbounded into talks and did things on really high effort having an average of one application a week with a feed. I started at 300 followers. We're getting close to 600 now. So this has been amazing because I had never, I thought it was going to take a lot more time. I wasn't sure that my following there was 100% my audience. So just to even get that kind of response in such a short time with good messages was incredible. And sales. So <laughs> yeah, so you're getting inquiries and actual like paying clients from the work you do in your message. And it's just, I'm, thank you for sharing that. Uh, one other thing outside of the sales conversation, because I could just talk about that all day. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, your story. And if you could share a little bit about your message and what's unique about your story about, you know, I know you talk about your mom and your messaging. And if you could just lend some insights about that process and then tips you have for other dietitians, whether they're in the food freedom space like you or not, 
and for their journey with being authentic and vulnerable with their message and how important that is when you're aligning and, and you're getting out there, putting yourself out there. Yeah. So when you and I were working to niche down together, you would ask me for who my ideal client was. And I had said, you know, really, ideally is a woman in a bigger body seeking food freedom. And I remember you kind of were like, okay, but why? Like, what does that mean to you? And what did I do? I started to cry a little. (laughs) I had shared with you in that moment that my mom has struggled with her weight for some time, has and always will be in a bigger body, and is a beautiful person. And through my life, just having her seen that struggle and have difficulty accepting her size, holding herself back in social situations or, you know, always feeling like she wasn't good enough because she was not able to change the shape and size of her body, which, you know, we know from the research that not all people are going to be able to have that shape and size body. I don't think it was clear or visible to me until you asked that question that that's why that meant so much to me. I'm someone who, who always really liked working with women in bigger bodies, but I don't know that I had made that connection of why I was so good at having these conversations, why I was so passionate about it, and why the food freedom message resonated for me. Until that time, I struggled a bit because I don't have a personal history with disordered eating or body image. My mom had the grace to share and, and offer an experience growing up that I didn't really feel that. So it helped me much more center myself in the conversation and feel like I belonged in that conversation because it is something that I'm super passionate about. I really appreciate you sharing that. It is vulnerable and sharing it both on your feed for your audience and for other dietitians listening here for my audience. I think that people can really appreciate that. I know that being vulnerable and connecting those dots from your past and then also getting the the permission and the you know the green light from those associated with the story like your mom is important, right? Cuz you have to make sure is your mom okay with you talking about her story and so there's a lot of layers here with this story being a part of your brand message and I really respect how you're using it and you're identifying that it is important for you to know why it's you know why you do what you do and then to have that be in alignment with your your brand message and and how you position yourself in the niche yeah really powerful a lot of dietitians struggle with making that connection and with being vulnerable on a consistent basis it's hard yeah and it's i'm hard. still learning ways to do that and you know i think what's amazing is hearing a lot of people on the feed messaging me and saying like oh my goodness same for me and that they are having conversations with their mothers that it's it's amazing it's super encouraging for me to keep going and continue to be accountable to relaying this message in a way that's authentic to my mom's story. I think that's a really beautiful part of this process that I hadn't expected, but I'm enjoying and you develop as a storyteller too, which if you're interested in that as a skill set, it's something that I think is transformative for a lot of people. It is transformative. And like you said, that Instagram gives you an opportunity to have like a, you said a mini website every day. I love that. I think that I would say it's an opportunity to be a mini storyteller every day. So you're able to tell stories what's a reflection of you and or a reflection of a client or a reflection of your mom and some kind of context that can bring it back to how you solve the problems for your audience. And you're able to do that through your stories, through your captions, through your imagery, and through your entire overall aesthetic. 
And even through just the DM conversations, right? So it just becomes a part of your brand message is your ability to, to tell those stories and connect with those women. And then even your ability to inspire your colleagues, right? With, with the work that you've done being a mini storyteller. Yeah, really, really special. And I will say, you know, how Melissa just mentioned that she wasn't like you said you weren't really expecting that maybe that level of vulnerability, maybe so soon in the process of uncovering your brand, your brand story. I think that business in general is hard. It's hard because, you know, to really dive deep into business, you're going to have these these conversations that are difficult, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. Uh, at every phase when you're, you know, first beginning, uh, you know, what, what are your, you know, hot buttons and what are points where you, you struggle with and what are your strengths and weaknesses, right? Like it's a big exercise I like to ask with my clients is identifying your zone of genius. I have another podcast about that. I like, listen to it as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and so like when you're able to identify your, you know, your genius areas, your zone of genius, uh, what are you going to do about that? And so business challenges you to really get an understanding of who you are and then take action and really understand how you can leverage those strengths so that you can build what you want to build and then set goals and then align your expectations with those goals so that you continue to not only do good work into the world and help the people you want to help, but also meet the bottom line of your business, which is the income part. So it's twofold, the ability to connect with those who you intend to serve and set an example for them and, and and then also be able to to sustain how whatever dollar amount you want, and, and there's no judgment for whatever that might be, whether you want to hit six figure, multi six figure, a million, multi million, etc. I love it. Yeah. Any final parting words you want to leave us with today, or any kind of you know uh, last messages you want to share to the dietitians or dietitians to be listening? Um, I, I think simply just not to give up. If you are compelled to do good work and you don't feel like there is a space for you to do that, you go ahead and build it because it's possible. It will challenge you. It will be hard work, but it's beautiful. Like you said, I think that that was so well put. You will get to know yourself (laughs) so much better than you ever expected through this process. You're going to grow and you're going to change people's lives. So if this is something you're compelled to do, do not give up. I love it. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's episode. If you'd love to learn more about how to get leads online and turn prospective customers into clients, apply for my coaching. I still have a wait list. Go ahead and visit LibbyRothschild.com. That's www.LibbyRothschild.com. Go under signature service and apply for my wait list.